share God's love with others. You're not alone. We want you to know that um, October 3rd is uh, Bring Your uh, Bible to School Day. And uh, last year we had a, a young boy brought his Bible to school. I, I don't know if he was in third grade or something like that. His teacher wrote a note back home to the mom and dad, so glad to see he was bringing his Bible. So, you know, we want to be salt and light. And we want to begin to teach our children to stand up for their faith. And so I hope that uh, you will make that a part of if you have a child or a grandchild. All right, I wanted to talk to you this morning. Uh, I thought I would ask you the question, and I kind of declined. Who's the stubbornest person that you know? And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I've been called pig-headed. I've been called bull-headed, sis. And I've been called doggone stubborn, and that was just by my mom and my dad, okay? <laughs> and so I, I find it amazing that a mom and a dad, a, 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 a husband and a wife, can have children and have them be so opposite. You know, it's time for bed. Pick up your toys, put them away, and get ready for bed. And you have one child that's so compliant. Yes, mom, pick up toys, put them back. We had a toy box, put them all away in there. And then you have another child. I'm not going to bed. I'm not tired. I'm not picking up my toys. To which normally you say something like the title today, Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. And it's interesting to see those kids turn into adults. And to see some of that compliant attitude and some of that stubborn attitude. And, you know, stubborn could be strong-willed. I think that's a much better way to say it sometimes. They're strong-willed, and if they are great enough, and and if you're blessed enough that your strong-willed child comes to know Jesus Christ, they'll be strong-willed with their faith, too. In the top of your notes, you have a set of notes in your program there. Pull out your smartphone, go to the Bible app. I have the words, depends on who's demanding. If somebody's saying, oh, yes, you are, doesn't it kind of depend on who's saying that? You know, I am constantly amazed by watching TV and watching run-ins with police officers. Constantly amazed at the people who are being told, turn around and get cuffed, and they won't. Or the mom comes out and says, my little boy, my little girl, they would have never done a thing. They're pouring water on police officers. This is a true story. I had a police officer sitting in the parking lot at Lifeline, and they sit there oftentimes to, uh, you know, to check on speeders and stuff like that. And so I went in, and he, the guy was still there, the police officer was still there, and I came out, so I brought him a bottle of water, and I said, this is not to pour on you. I wanted him to know that right off. You know, I was taught to respect. I was taught, you know, a lot of times I'm ducking while I'm watching TV, and it's like, oh, here it comes, the boom is going to come. But it just doesn't seem so. Sometimes doesn't it depend? They say, you know, I'm not putting those cuffs on. I'm not in there. And they're saying, oh, oh, yes, you are. Sometimes it depends on who's making the statement, who's the making the demand. I have in your notes Genesis 4, verse 9. Cain and Abel had issues. Abel, he did everything right. Oh, he was like, he was like the chosen, he was like the chosen kid. He did everything right before the Lord, and Cain didn't like it. And so Cain, as you know, Cain takes his life. And God, as he comes looking, he's looking to see, you know, what's going on, what's going on. He says to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he lies. He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, I don't know, well, that's a lie, and really, he, he just really didn't care. And when he said, am I my brother's keeper, he asked the question, you know, is he my responsibility? And I would say to you that from the book of Genesis through the book of Revelation, the Bible constantly is teaching, oh yes, you are. 
You are your brother and your sister's keeper. Would you take a look at Matthew, the fifth chapter, the 13th verse with me? I want to talk to you as kingdom servants, right? You know that our theme verse of the year is seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, how to live. And all these other things will be added to you. Don't think the kingdom of heaven starts when you die. It starts here in the hearts and lives of people. Read your Bible. Read the Gospels. It starts here in your hearts. In the fifth chapter, verse 13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. Have you thought of yourself that way lately? You are the salt. The people he said this to are they're dead. This is for people who are alive now. You're the salt of the earth. But... If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, in this day and age, they would get salt by taking seawater, putting in pits or vats or whatever, vases, and they would let the the sun evaporate the water off of it until they had salt. And they would use the salt as a, a seasoning. They would use it as a seasoning. They would use it as a preservative. And they would literally rub it in some of their wounds just so they could say, ouch, I guess, you know. Who knows if it did anything. Number one, if I look at this passage of Scripture, I think that we ought to ask ourselves the question, as a kingdom servant, have I become ineffective? I want to ask myself the question. I want you to ask, have I become ineffective? I know one way to make me ineffective in the workplace is to put me on an assembly line. I was on an assembly line where I worked for a while, and I was that close to quitting because assembly line work drove me crazy. Now, I know all kinds of people, they work on assembly line, they love it, never bothers them, but it just drives my, my me cuckoo. I'd have to do all kinds of creative things just so I wouldn't, my skin wouldn't crawl off my bones. I become ineffective uh, when it comes to that type of a work. This passage of Scripture says, Evan, you need to examine your life. It says to you and to me, examine your Christian life. Evan, have you lost your saltiness? Not a sailor saltiness kind of thing. The effectiveness. Have you become ineffective? Have you ever been effective in the kingdom of God? For the kingdom, growing the kingdom. Christians are a part of God's kingdom. We say to ourselves, I am to make this world a better place. I'm to make my church. I'm supposed to affect my church and make it more effective by my gifts, by my talents, everything that I am. You know, salt adds flavor, right? It enhances the taste of food, you know. Do I enhance the kingdom of God in any way? Out in the workplace? In church? Do I come? Do I sit? And then I pick up and I go? Have I become ineffective? Am I useful in any way to the kingdom? Salt also preserves. You know, it it keeps food from going bad. Have I won anybody to Christ? Have I invited anybody to Christ? Have I done anything to win a soul or preserve a soul for eternity? Or have I just gotten to the place where it's just like, I'm coming to church, I'll take care of my business, and I'll go home and wait another six, seven days. Jesus says Christians are to be seasoning for their work, for their neighborhood, for wherever it is you exist and whatever you do. We're to be seasoning in and around. I know a a, a guy at at work who several years back was known as the Christian in the place. He was the Christian in the place. He was known as the born-again Christian in the place. But he worked so hard, he almost doubled 
the effect, the sales in the place that he worked. And his boss came to him who was not a Christian. And this guy had said, you know, when he had a sickness, would you like me to pray for it? He's like, no. But he said, do you know any other born-again Christians? I need some other people that work like you. Now that's some salt. Now that's some effect. Here's the wonderful thing about our jobs. You may have a boss who's a jerk, but you don't work for your boss. The Bible says, work as unto the Lord. Therefore, as long as you have a good relationship with the Lord, you're working as unto the Lord. You can ignore, you move on, I get it. You know, Christians who have lost the Holy Spirit can still look like a Christian, but they're saltless. They're ineffective. Holy Spirit saying anything to you? How are you doing? Where are you at? Have we lost that? You know, it's kind of like the couple who was married. You've heard it a hundred times. And when they were dating, he would bring her gifts and, and, and wonderful little treats and a card and something like that. And she'd have her hair done up and she'd smell good. And now the only thing he's bringing home is dirty laundry and she's in her, and she's in her sweats all day long and her hair's pulled up. And just, you know what I'm saying, everybody? Uh, you know? And we can find out all the excuses we want. But in this room today, there are couples who are still wooing each other. And there are some that they wish that they still had them to woo. They've been in love all the time. And that is exactly how you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't get to the place where you take your husband and your wife for granted. Don't take Jesus Christ for granted. Have we begun to do that and become saltless? The passage of Scripture says ineffective. Ask yourself the question Jesus asks. Am I still salt for the kingdom of God or am I ineffective? Number two. Have I become useless? Now, I don't know if ineffective and useless is much different than each other, but, you know, I wonder where the phrase, and I would say to you today, I wonder if the phrase, he's a good for nothing, she's a good for nothing, didn't come from the Scripture. Possibly, I don't know, but look at what Jesus said here. If it loses its salt, how can it be made salty again? It's good for nothing. They're a good for nothing. Now, I didn't say this. Jesus is looking for people in his kingdom full of salt, full of the Holy Spirit, who will be effective, and we have to ask ourselves every once in a while. He brought it up. We may look like a Christian, but in reality, we may be utterly useless for the kingdom. Sometimes what ends up happening, happens to me, we start living for our kingdom. Evan's kingdom. What's good for Evan? What's convenient for Evan? You know, how, how things go on. Are you, have you begun to just, you thinking about your kingdom, about what's going on, and that's the most important thing? And it's gotten to the place where it robs your time and your energy of the things that should be for God's kingdom. You know, there are some occupations that have to have CEs, CEUs, continuing education. And some of these occupations, they have to continue to be upgraded continually knowing what's going on, rules, regulations. I know it's for nurses. I know it's for a lot of different people. If you get behind, you could become ineffective and possibly a little bit dangerous. Continuing education, Christians, we have to have our CEUs always update, always ongoingly. There's five principles. I want to hang them on the wall here that we practice here in this church. Number one is the Bible. Write it down. 
the Bible. We're talking about defending your faith in this entire uh, Bible study on Wednesdays and Thursdays. The Bible is something that can be trusted. The Bible right next to it is God's voice. Write it inside your Bible. When you open it up, just expect to hear from Jesus. Number two is prayer. You know, sometimes, as somebody pointed out to me, sometimes we, we do a lot of complaining. Oh, there's no prayer in government. There's, there's no prayer in schools. And we're going to have a time of prayer on the 13th. And Christians won't show up. I, I'm concerned about prayer not being in schools, but why are Christians not showing up for prayer? Almost every one of my emails gives you an opportunity to show up early, spend a little bit of time with prayer. Do we believe that God moves in response to prayer? Number three is serving. We have a ministry here called the Connection Ministry. It helps you serve where you are gifted. See myself, see Rhonda about that. See, Jesus didn't come back and say, you know, why don't you guys all just gather around and serve me? He basically said, listen, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Number four is giving. Jesus said, you know, take a look at your money. Take a look at where your treasures are, and that's where your heart is. You can really tell and see where people's hearts are by seeing where they spend their money. Giving, and I get it. Sometimes people are afraid to give to churches because they've done a lot of things wrong. Well, folks, there's Ron Simmons right over there. He will answer any question. He's our treasurer. Every January, we give you accounting of what we've done and what we will do in the future, how we've spent our money. The Bible talks about giving. The Bible then, lastly, number is fellowship. Fellowship. You know, every one of those, we all made struggle with one day. Fellowship, a time of fellowship afterwards. That's why after prayer, we're going to have some pizza. We're going to have some fellowship. Uh, we're we're going to uh, spend some time together. Here's the thing about fellowship. Oftentimes people say, well, I don't really get anything out of it. Mm, that's the wrong approach. Before you come to church, on the way here, say a simple prayer. Jesus, here I am. Use me. And spend some time, 10, 15 minutes, fellowshipping here. You might be the one that needs it, but you might be the one that needs to give it. Fellowship, fellowship. Have I become useless? Ask yourself the question Jesus asked, am I a good for nothing to the kingdom? Am I unusable? He says all, all, all you become good for is salt. When it's no good, you throw it out on the ground, you trample on it. You can't even see it. It just blends in with the ground. And maybe we're blending in with the world. Verse 14. Jesus not only said that you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. How have you come in here today thinking about yourself? You're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. You know, this kind of looks a little silly in a way. It's just like, is that what people do? Is that what Jesus is talking about? You put a, you put a city up on a hill. You put a, 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 a lamp underneath a bushel basket or a bowl. It's almost silly to think about it. And he goes on in verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Number three is simply, As a kingdom servant, have I become invisible? No light shining, invisible. I love the picture of a city on a hill. If you notice any city on a hill, you know what I'm talking about. But if you go out in Lake Erie, every boater, every fisherman that I know in the, in the Fairport Mentor area knows that no matter how far you go out, you can see land and you can see two humps, two hills. 
I think it's Concord in the Mentor area. I'm not sure, but there's a double hump camel there. A big one to the left and a, and a, and a smaller one to the right. And if you are straight out of Fairport, you want to go right toward the valley. And if you do that, you'll come right to where you need to be. You'll come right back to where you're docked in Fairport. If you're off to the west, you want to aim your boat for the bigger hump that's up on the shore and can always be seen unless there's a thick, thick fog. And it'll take you right where you need to go. If you're all the way to the east, you aim towards, you just aim your boat, drive towards the smaller hump, and it'll take you there. They're a city on a hill. They're a direction for us. There are fishermen that go out. They go over where the old uh, uh, rayon plant is. They line, they go to, they line the towers up, and they go to a certain depth. They use different things to find and guide and direct. That's what you're supposed to be. That's what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a city on a hill, a light, but I'm afraid to be seen as a follower of Jesus. Here's the question that I always ask. I I challenge myself to do it. I say to you too, are you afraid to use the name of Jesus out in public? Are you afraid to say, Jesus did this for me? You know, God is much easier to say. Lord is much easier to say. May God bless you. Hey, may, may Jesus bless you today. You're weird. once you do that you're labeled you're weird matter of fact uh, just so you know uh, our close family has often said to Maria and I that you were weird I mean they they say that you know the way we live our lives how we've raised our kids what we do what we don't do what we'll watch what we don't watch what we laugh at what we don't entertainment you guys are I just heard this like two weeks ago yeah we always knew you guys were a little weird and that's exactly what they do but folks you're weird anyway you might as well be weird for Jesus. I'm looking around at some weird people. I'm not going to say your name. But you're, you might as well be weird for a reason. Somehow there's somebody that's going to be glad that you're a follower of Jesus. How many people are in church today? I am. Because somebody told me, some friends of mine said, invited me to church. That's, that's why I'm in church. You know? In light of the words that Jesus says, don't hide your faith under a bowl, you know, be a light. Does it make any sense, the statement that I actually recently heard within a couple of weeks? My faith is personal. My faith is private. Hide it under a bushel. Yes. Okay, no. Okay, it's supposed to be no. You know? I don't know what song they wrote about salt, but you know, whatever. <laughs> salt and light? No taste? It's personal. Seriously? That is not ever found in the Jesus that, wrote the, that was a part of the New Testament. We are to be salt and light. Jesus says, my followers can't help but stick out. They should be light in a dark world. I know many, many people think that uh, the majority of people that die go to heaven. How many of you know your Bible when Jesus said the exact opposite? How many of you know? Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, hell. Narrow is the gate, the path that leads to life eternal, and very few find it. Are they not finding it? Because our faith is personal, our faith is private. Give me a break. Read the scriptures. Jesus said, You're salt and light. Many of Jesus' teachings are counter to our culture. And putting a bowl over a lamp in your house just doesn't make sense. It makes about as much sense as a Christian not wanting anybody to know. 
I know maybe the world and maybe politics, they made it, made it afraid to say, you know, you stand up. And we don't really have that much to be afraid of in America. I get Voice of the Martyr, great magazine. You ought to apply to it. A mom and a wife tells a story about her husband who's in jail for his faith and her son's in jail for his faith. What are we afraid of? Jesus said we are the light of the world, therefore it doesn't make sense that our faith is private and personal. And number four, as a kingdom servant, as a servant for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, have I become self-centered? When the Lord taught us to pray, He said, Thy kingdom come on earth. Please understand, the kingdom gets set up in people's hearts. This church is kingdom-focused with kingdom servants. I had somebody come to me this morning. Almost every Sunday when I'm at prayer at the altar, I thank the Lord for servants who show up. They're all over the place here. They're light, they're salt to your teens, to your kids, to you when you walked in. I had somebody come to me this morning on the worship team, and he said, morning, Pastor Evan, I'm here to serve. And he was, because he was there early, serving. I show up to serve. You show up to serve. In some way, has my faith become kind of self-centered? You know, there's a lot of miserable people in the world that all they think about is self, and they do everything for self, and they, they can't figure it out. That Jesus taught this dichotomy that when you think of others, when you serve others, when you put others above yourself, even when it hurts, one of the principles that Jesus teaches, even when it hurts, to do what is right, even when you're wronged, because you're to be a light. A lot of miserable people. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, right? What we do, we do before others with the light that we are as Christians, that they may see your good deeds, Evan, but glorify your Father in heaven. I got to make sure, you got to make sure all the wonderful things that we do, all the deeds we do in Jesus' name, we don't do so they say, man, that Evan's a nice guy. I mean, nobody has said that recently, but, uh, you know, that Evan, he, he, he's gifted, he's talented, well, you know, are we doing what we're doing because of the accolades? Mm. I have to almost have a little bit of paranoia. So you be careful that people aren't giving you credit for things that should belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're building His kingdom. We're lifting Him up. It's not about you and me. The Lord's Supper today represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It don't represent your body and your blood and your life. It represents Him. And if you take it with us today, you don't need to be a part of our church and denomination, but you need to know Jesus Christ. You can take the Lord's Supper if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord. Wherever you're from, you're welcome to join us today. There's just simply two things that I try to practice, the things that I get in my mind, because I always want to know, how do I make sure Jesus gets the glory? So it's not a bad idea to do two things. When you wake up, Lord... I want to make sure my life brings glory to you and at the end of the night, before you lay your head on the pillow, Lord, did my life bring glory to you? Did, it, did, it, was I, did I dishonor you because I lost my temper here? Whatever it might be, take care of that. But you know, if you've done nine out of ten things good, that's a good thing. I deal with the one, I get it, but we're always trying to be so totally perfect that we never make sure you're getting the glory. You're getting the glory. Jesus knows we're the only light that someone will ever see. Uh, is that person more important than whatever inconvenience has happened upon you? 
Sometimes it's just a test. I have in your notes, good salt and bright light. You know, good salt and bright light, you know, they do their job naturally. Almost with ease. You know, you take a little bit of, uh, you shake some, we've just discovered sea salt. We thought, let's put sea salt on everything. Now it's much better than I die salt, whatever. They had sea salt, you know. You put a little sea salt on your mashed potatoes. Mm, mm, mm. Just naturally does a good job. Our power went out a little while ago. I got one of those big flashlights, you know, with an LED light in it, man. It's a great flashlight. It costs enough, too. And I turn that thing on, bam It does a great job. Because good salt and bright light, they do their job naturally. Which is the story of the Christian who is filled with the Spirit. We do our job naturally. We're naturally filled with the Spirit, so we're naturally salt and light to the rest of the world. A Christian full of the Holy Spirit is salt and light naturally. An ineffective servant, the Bible says, is good for nothing. I, Jesus said it. I'm th- thank you. I didn't say it. I have a graphic up here. Could you pop this picture up here of this, uh, these uh, bunch of people? Here's Madison Middle School football team. In the gray shirt here, is Tom Hanzak. Last year, a brand new Christian, Tony Semple, said, my son's playing football, and I'm a Christian. And I want, I want to make sure that they're, they're praying. He went up to the coach and said, would it be okay if we offered up a prayer before the game? Sure. And they've been doing it ever since. This past couple weeks ago, this is about three weeks old, Tony couldn't be there. He had to be somewhere else. So Tom... Grandpa Tom was there watching his grandson, said, you know, I'll step in, let's have prayer. Public school system. Light, salt, effectiveness. Any parents here? Approached your coach? Approached anybody? Say, you know, really we'd like to stop the, uh, the games on Sunday mornings, please. You know, when I was in Madison, we had a, a deal with, the, uh, with the, uh, the, uh, the principal. They would not do any events on Wednesday either because we had Bible study. That's kind of since gone by the wayside. You know, good salt and bright light, it, it represents the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And if you find it easy to be salt and light, it's because you've kept that relationship with Jesus fresh. You're full of the Spirit. In your notes, I have the asterisks there. Would you fill it in with me? It's pretty simple, right? Oh, yes, you are your brother's and your sister's keeper. Yes, you are. And, you know, wouldn't it be really nice if it was just for everybody we like? Nobody who's ever done us wrong. You know, Jesus is counter to every one of that bit, right? I heard about a, a business where the owner has Bible study. I don't know if it's every day, every other day. The, the owner has Bible study for the employees. They can come if they want. They don't. See, this guy, I'm assuming he's a Christian. I'm hoping he's a Christian. He's being salt and light. He, he's there providing. He's providing an income. He's providing for people to have a house and take care of themselves. But he knows that there's something deeper and greater than just providing a paycheck. It's caring for the soul. Oh, yes, he knows. He's his brother's and his sister's keeper. Jesus' words today, they're a test for me and they're a test for you to see. Is the Holy Spirit living inside of me? Is that what's more important or is it more important that I get my way? Most of us are in church today because somebody cared enough to invite us. 
that's how I'm here. And that's probably how you're here. A majority of us. Somebody cared. They were light. They were salt to you. 2 Corinthians 3.3 you, you show that you are a letter from Christ written not with ink but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Dave, if you'll come forward, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together today. And everything about the Lord's Supper says, I want to be light. I want to be salt. I want to be effective. I want to be known as a kingdom servant that makes a difference in everything that I do. Folks, is there not a mom and a dad who doesn't teach their kids the exact same things Jesus taught us today? We don't use the words light and salt. But we want our kids to be salt. We want them to be effective in society. We want them to be good seasoning. We want them to bring life and light. We want them to have good deeds, and that's what we teach our kids. We don't use the words salt and light. It's exactly the same. It's what Jesus wants us to be. We have our ushers ready. If we could have our ushers come forward and get themselves in place here as we get ready today. As we take the Lord's Supper today, could you please take it Could you put it in your hand and hold it and we'll take it together? In just a minute, I'll ask these people if you'll come over here, up through here and around the sides over here too. It makes it just so much easier if everybody comes to this aisle over here and then circles around. If you'll do that in just a minute. Now the Bible tells me, Evan, you have to examine your heart before you take the Lord's Supper. Examine your heart before you take. If you have something wrong with somebody, if there's sin, something between you, if you can, you ought to get up and have the courage to go say something to them today. But I've done this, getting ready to take the Lord's Supper. The Lord convicted me of something, and I had to go make sure. When I left, I said, Lord, I'll take care of it at my earliest convenience. Could you just bow your head for a second? Prepare your heart to receive the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when something's running out in our house, ketchup bottle, mayonnaise, mustard, or whatever, it gets down to the bottom, you know, you take that ketchup, you push, you squeeze it, it kind of just sounds like a fart, you know, you know, it's hardly nothing coming out of it. Time to throw it out. My wife, she might pull it out of the garbage if she sees me throwing the garbage, but I learned not to do that. She'll turn the thing upside down. She'll get a spatula. She'll get the peanut butter out of the jar. She'll get it right out of there because she'll find something useful. When I saw it was not useful. You may be here today. You're just sitting here thinking, yeah, I'm useless. You know, I've done this 27 years. I've seen some people who thought they were the most useless in the spiritual realm. I've seen them turn to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and watch Him get so much more out of them than anybody had ever thought they could. Jesus, today we surrender our hearts and our lives to you. Lord Jesus, I know you can get more out of us than anybody could ever get out of us. And that's because of your love and your greatness. You know who we are. We are here as your servant. We surrender to you. Do with us as we will. Lord, may we go from here filled with your spirit to naturally be salt and light in a dark world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.